Uh, there's going to be suffering in this world, and Peter says that we need leaders to help us through this suffering. And speaking of suffering, since I was little, I supported Wrexham AFC, <laughs> and they've been out of the Football League for 15 years. So they've had a bad experience with owners in the past, wanting to use the club for their own agenda. They were going to sell the stadium and build properties on that and they sent the, the club into the, the relegation zone and then into administration. So then when a Canadian and American who knew nothing about football come along asking to buy it off the fans, they questioned the motives behind this plan. What would happen if the team just kept on losing? and never got promoted. Would these A-listers just leave at the first sign of trouble? But Peter doesn't want church leaders to run at the, sign, the first sign of trouble. And so that's why he's addressing them. He wants them to stand firm and to know how to lead and why they should lead the people to help them through their suffering. So at the end of uh, the passage, Peter also addresses the church and their response to the church elders. And that's what we're called to do. But before we start with the church leaders, it's really important to see the overarching uh, scheme, uh, sorry, the theme of these verses. The final verse of our passage today, verse 5. Peter quotes Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34. That God appro... appro Sorry, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And when it comes to a church, humility is important. And there's a contrast, pride versus humility. Peter says that everyone is to clothe themselves in humility. Not just the pastor, not just the congregation, but everyone. And the reason I went to this verse first is that as we study this passage, we'll see that these two contrasts are throughout Peter's instructions. If we're proud, then God will be against us. But if we're, as a church, humble, then we will receive God's grace. And I just want to say, this is my 13th year uh, that God has called me to full-time ministry. And preparing this, uh, this battle preparing this passage has been a battle um, as a leader and a brother it makes me see my weaknesses it reminds me of my complete dependence on God uh, to seek to be a, hum a man of humility uh, in every area of my life and what Peter is calling us to do this morning it's not an easy task it's not an easy task but we don't face it alone Okay, firstly then, elders lead the flock. Now, I don't want everyone to switch off here. Yes, it's primarily for the elders, but the, and that's the term that the, uh, for the church leaders in the early church. But if anyone sits here and thinks, this isn't for me, then wisdom would say otherwise. We can all learn from God's word. And if you're not sat here this morning as an elder, then maybe you are a leader in the church or you will be one day, if not now. When I was at uni, I was introducing myself to the second years in the halls of residence. And as, they, uh, as I met them, I realized they all had nicknames. And they all mentioned, uh, and, and one of the nicknames they mentioned was this guy. They called him Pigeon. 
And I'd remember seeing him this one time through the walk through the cafeteria, and I knew exactly who he was when they gave him this name. He sticks out his chest and he, he walks all puffed up like a pigeon. And so just hearing that, I knew exactly who he was. And that the nickname that they gave him was because he was known for his pride. And in Peter's instructions to the elders, we see that he urges them not to lead for themselves. In verses two and three, Peter warns them of what their leadership will be like if they're driven by pride. They're not to lead the sheep like a puffed up pigeon. And that means that Christian leadership is not to be done for shameful gain, whether that's for money or whether it's to be praised by men or being a, being a leader in the church, it's not about um, some individual gain, even if that tempts some. But have you ever been around a leader who wants all the praise for themselves? Maybe not in church, but maybe in school or uni or in work. Why do they do that? What's the reason? Well, it's about themselves and it's all about me, me, me. How does one uh, go around promoting their image? Or what power am I going to get from this? What privilege will it bring me? Or can I get into the spotlight? And everyone in school or university or, or church will know who I am. And I remember when I was in London as a, a missionary, I was trying to find a local church to take some non-Christians to. Um, as, as they heard the gospel and as they um, were looking for churches, I was trying to find somewhere local for them. And one of the ones that I visited seemed really promising at first. And then when the sermon started, it ended up that the speaker just talked about themselves and their achievements for a whole hour. And I was like, oh, this isn't the place to bring them. But Peter goes on. If you're, uh, sorry, you're not to be domineering over people. Our pride really makes us want to puff ourselves up. But Peter says, as leaders in the church, we mustn't lord it over others. I know of a, a guy, and he's not in this church, or he, and he hasn't ever been to this church, but he, um, who thought that he was elder material. And so he went to the leaders of the church he attended and, he, and asked them if he could be an elder. He said, uh, I've, I've got all the qualities you're looking for. Maybe I can help you guys out as, a, as an elder in the church. Unsurprisingly, they didn't say yes. And he doesn't go to that church anymore. If you have to go and ask to be an elder, then you should question why. You want to be in that role. So one of the ways elders are chosen, and that's true at this church as well, is that they're seen to be doing the role of an elder without even realizing it. They are leaders. They are doers. They are encouragers. And they are seen by their fruit. Peter urges the elders how to act when they are instead driven by humility. Humility to serve others rather than themselves. So let's look at this next bit, leaders lead for others. See how Peter starts this uh, section of the letter here, in verse one, how he introduces himself, Peter, a fellow elder. He's not lording it over the others, is he? He's not saying, hi, it's me, Peter the apostle. Yep, here are the keys. You know, he's there together with them. Peter, one of the 12 disciples, and he's denied Jesus three times, 
But despite this, Jesus later called him and commissioned him in John chapter 21, verse 16 and 17, to do what? To tend my sheep, to feed my sheep, to feed my lambs. So this is what Christian leaders are to do, verse 2. They are to shepherd the flock. As a Welshman, I'm used to sheep. We've got a lot of them in Wales. We're actually outnumbered by them, about seven to one. So we know a lot about them. They're needy. Sheep need protection. They need caring for. They need keeping together because of their nature. Sheep are quite stupid at times. They wander off from the flock. They're easy prey for predators. And they get into trouble often. So the shepherd has a big job to do. Not only in nurturing and leading the flock, but also in attending the needs of every individual sheep. Peter goes on to remind them that this is not your flock of sheep, but it's God's flock of sheep that he has brought amongst you. Not another flock somewhere else, but the people who are right here now next to us. And one of the really handy things in Switzerland is that you can uh, drive someone else's car with their permission, but without having to go through the hassle of filling out loads of forms and putting, uh, putting them on your car insurance. But let me ask you this. What's your driving like when you drive someone else's car compared to when you drive your own car? I'm sure for many of you, you'll be more careful when you're driving someone else's. And if not, it shows wisdom <laughs> or, or, or not. So, and that's the same for anything that we borrow or use, isn't it? If it's not ours, we, we look after it more. And so shepherds, the flock is not our own. Leadership requires humility and care because the flock is God's. It's God's flock. And not only is it God's flock, but Jesus purchased it with his own blood. Purchased it with his blood so uh, church leaders are to exercise oversight willingly not because they feel obliged to do it remember that peter is someone who is experiencing suffering as a christian and he went on to die for his faith yet here he's serving as a fellow elder he knows the challenges involved and he's urging others to eagerly lead god's people on Thursday, the, the sad news that Pastor Tim Keller uh, has passed away filtered around the Christian world. And I was reading some obituaries about him and how he was a great pastor. He had a brilliant mind and all the books that he wrote. And there was, there was one um, in particular that stood out to me in, in terms of this sermon. It wasn't the only one, but this one said, Tim's loss is not only felt as our leader, but especially as our friend and example. Peter urges Christian leaders to be examples of the flock in verse 3, like Tim Keller did. Examples of how to live for Christ, how to be a holy people, and how to live out God's word whilst living in a hostile world. As I said earlier, this is uh, primarily to elders in the church, but many of you are shepherds of other Christians. It could be neighbors or aunties or uncles to others you could be uh, christian leaders in small groups or helpers at sunday school or in youth and the things that you do and say have an impact on the sheep that peter talks about here 
So even as parents, we're responsible for feeding the lambs like Peter was responsible. And that's because we're not firstly doing it for others, are we? We're actually doing it for Christ, which leads us on to our last point. So, Peter um, has a great encouragement here in verse 4. We do it for Christ and we will receive a crown from him. You work at your day job to earn a salary, but we live and serve for a crown, not a crown um, that athletes receive at the end of a race, a crown that doesn't last, but a crown that lasts forever. A crown that's given to us by the chief shepherd when the suffering is over and the glory is revealed. So some people get caught up in why would you invest time and energy now and heartache and, and not see the gains now? But as Christians, we keep our eyes focused on the future, on the rich inheritance that, we've, that we have to come in Christ. Okay, let's move on um, to the church. Follow the shepherds. So, uh, as a church, we can't be selfish. The world that we live in encourages us to be ourselves, to live how we want to live, to have pride in standing out from others, what we live and how in where we live, sorry, in, in, in what we eat, in what we wear, in what we listen to or want to do. So basically, feed your own interests, serve your own agenda. That's what the world would say. But when we're called to be a flock, it's, it's the sheep that want to stand out that are often in danger of going astray and sadly leading or driving others away as well. And if there are different voices to follow, the sheep will end up becoming separated. Some will get lost or wander off, or others will be hurt. Or to put it another way, put off coming to church. So when we live by our own agenda and not by God's, it leads to suffering, either ours or someone else's. And there's also a danger that we want to get back, in, uh, back at God in some way when we're suffering. And because we can't take it out on God, then maybe we take it out on his leaders. I mean, Moses was an example of that in the desert, wasn't he? It's a challenge to all of us. We, we all need to think about where we might be in danger of putting our needs above the needs of the other sheep. How might we be causing our leaders to suffer because we've lost sight of the rest of the flock's needs and have put ourselves first? And also, we need to be careful because as a Western society it's become very acceptable to criticize any form of authority without offering any well thought through or proven justifications for doing so. Social media says that we can scrutinize everyone, every time, on every decision. And also, our pride makes us want to be right all the time. But Peter's message is clear here. When leaders are elected, and choices are made, the church should be different. The church are called to be subject to the leaders here. Peter specifically mentions the younger ones as well, as they're known to be more resilient to leadership. And we see that throughout society and in the youth. <laughs> um, should there be an accountability? Absolutely, guys. Are there democratic processes in place to stop tyranny and stop pastors becoming too powerful? Yes. Should the sheep be given the opportunity to have a voice and a vote? Yes, of course. This 
all needs to be done in humility, looking out for each other. So church, we must look out for one another. It's interesting wording by Peter here in verse 5. It shouldn't be up to others to dress us in the morning, should it? And that's why Peter says, clothe yourselves in humility. This is something that we need to make a conscious effort to do before we come into the presence of God's people. And there's a danger that, just like in the world, that those who are seen as humble are seen as weak. But don't fall into that trap, friends, because we can walk into this congregation this morning. We can sit down here this morning with God opposing us because of how we view and treat those around us. Everything looks fine, but God knows our hearts. And when it comes to the elders, we need to think about how do we relate to them? How do we respond to them? We need to listen to our elders and not hassle the socks off them. So let's all respect them and the burdens that they carry as they serve the church. Being honest with ourselves, though, we know that this is difficult because naturally we all want to rebel, don't we? We, we don't want to be subject to anyone. And back in chapter 2, we saw how Peter was teaching slaves to be subject to their masters, giving them respect, whether they're good or not. That's challenging, isn't it? If the sheep are going to be subject, it's so important that the leaders are really caring for them. That they're serving the sheep humbly so that the sheep wants to follow them. So that when they make decisions, the flock trusts them and follows them, even when it's through a difficult time. And there's a lot of kickback, rightly, against bad leadership. But there are also times when we need to submit. We need to respect the authority that God has given his under-shepherds. And as we do that, we can all make sure that we're using our gifts to serve the flock, to help to enable the leaders to lead well, to, to lead the flock in all the different ways that are good, as every part of Christ's body needs to be working well together. So let's not forget, being an elder can be a tough job. We need to encourage the elders and their wives and they put in a lot of work much of which is not seen they shoulder a lot of responsibility much of what is not seen so i urge all of us to pray for them and in their personal walk with god for the elders uh, meeting every first monday of the month put that in your diary pray for wisdom and guidance from god for the elders so next bit of church we are under christ as christ church we are all united together and it's not about the church leaders versus the congregation or vice versa we're all called to humbly serve one another under the headship of the chief shepherd so let's finish by reflecting on our chief shepherd then christ did not serve himself as the body of christ we are all subject to Jesus, our chief shepherd, God's perfect son, who didn't do anything out of pride or selfish ambition. Jesus didn't serve himself, but instead he denied himself, as he did not come to be served, but to serve. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul writes in chapter 2, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And what mindset did Christ have? Well, Paul illustrates that 
Christ's per, Christ perfect humility, that even though he is God, he gave up heaven to come down to earth, not using his status to his own advantage, but instead to become a servant. Christ humbled himself. So instead of coming to rule on a throne or to lord it over anyone else, the good shepherd came and willingly gave up his life for the sheep. He humbled himself, not looking to his own interests, but to our interests. He loved the world so much that he was willing to be obedient to his father. He was subject to his father's plan. He submitted to that plan and he died in our place. Jesus, the good shepherd, knows his sheep. Isn't it wonderful that he knows all of our names, that he knows all of our characters, our attitudes. He knows us inside out. He cares for us and he's willing to leave the 99 sheep to seek for that stubborn one, for that one who's strayed away. He's there for us and he's willing to, to stay there waiting for us until we turn back to him. Jesus listened, he shared life, he washed feet. That is the example that we're to follow. And we follow knowing that the flock is precious to Jesus because they are his, because he laid down his life for them. So nothing will separate Jesus from his sheep. Nothing at all. There's no danger, there's no persecution, there's nothing that can get in the way of Christ and his church. So if you are called to lead in the church, then you can accept. Trusting God will enable you to stand firm. And if you're not yet part of Jesus' people here this morning, then I urge you to look more at who Jesus is. Take a look at this servant king who laid down his life for the people. He's inviting you to come under his care as well. He wants you to let him be your shepherd through life, to guide you through those difficult times so that you too can look forward to sharing in all the glories that he's preparing for when he comes back and when all the suffering is taken away. So whether you're a sheep or a shepherd here this morning or whether you're visiting from another flock or whether you're not part of a flock, we're all called together here today and we're asked to follow this chief shepherd, Jesus. And we are uh, to follow his example of humble service. So we can all ask ourselves, who are the sheep that God has put under your care today? Who are the under shepherds that God has given to lead you today? Jesus knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to lead. And he knows how to submit. So let's, as a church, follow his perfect example of humility as we serve Jesus' church and as we lead in Jesus' church and as we submit to leadership in Jesus' church. Let's pray.